Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm AJ. I'm Frank. And today we have a very special guest on to discuss from Russia with Love, the second ever James Bond film, my good friend Corey Smithson. Hello, buddy. Hey, good uh, good to be on the podcast. Uh, thanks for the invite. And this was uh, this was the first James Bond movie I've ever seen. I, I can't believe that. Like, you had texted me that earlier, and I, I couldn't believe it at all in any respect. So you've never seen one James Bond film ever? No, um, I didn't have anything against them. Like, there was nothing keeping me from it. I guess uh, anytime I thought of James Bond, I just thought of my dad in the living room at, like, 10 p.m. drinking beer. And I was just kind of like, yeah, this, doesn't, this isn't where I want to hang out right now. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so it, was, it was good, though. It was a good time. But, like, nothing, like, the idea that, like, nothing of, like, the James Bond franchise had ever, like, seeped its way into your interest intrigues me like, to a very interesting level. So, like, before we get to that point, um, so you, my friend, are a uh, comedian. You live here in Jersey City with me. Um, I would re be remiss if I didn't ask you, um, how'd you get into comedy and where you where are you coming from with that, my friend? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it brief. Uh, it's a story that's far too many years long, but it's, uh, yeah, just wanted to, I always enjoyed making people laugh. Um, so that's how I wanted to venture into it. I, I used to watch uh, Comedy Central as a kid and I could just recite everything I heard. It just, it stuck to me for some reason. And I, I liked what they did. Uh, gave it a try late high school and it was just one of those like, Oh, that's what I was supposed to try to do. Like, be happy. <laughs> um, like, I felt so stupid. Like, all these kids were having a great time except me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I stuck to it. Um, started early college. I was doing it upstate New York and Syracuse for a long time. Um, slow going. Hi, Shana. Um, and then just kind of <laughs> – she's a nice lady. I got to say hello. <laughs> uh, but um, – yeah, stuck with it. Uh, did some did some cool stuff. Um, slow goings upstate for a while, but then I moved to Jersey City just over a year ago. Made some great friends, including the great AJ Sherman. Um, did, did some shows here and there. Did some stuff in New York. So uh, trying my best during a pandemic to to keep it going. It's hard, but I'm having fun while it's while it's lasting. And the listeners, if they want to find you, where can they find you? All right. So I am on Instagram. It's uh my last name is Smithson, uh Smith with a son. But uh my Instagram handle is Corey Smithson, which is how all the black comedians used to say it. And I always took it as endear. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it's my Instagram. I'm on uh Facebook Corey Smithson. Uh I will be in Jersey City in a, an undisclosed park location after dark uh on october 3rd which i believe is a or october 4th which is a sunday um alex grubard's hosting a, a uh, series you're on, of the, shows. you're on the mini fest yeah i'm on the uh comedy after dark type of thing Ooh, you um, made the good one that's yeah fun. i was uh well he asked me to do there was a series of shows that he's putting on and one of them was the covid show uh which is like we just talked about what we did during quarantine and anybody who's, I mean, AJ, you're super familiar with this, but anybody who followed my character arc during quarantine knows I was just upstate chopping wood. And uh, I, don't, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anybody wants to hear about that. So I picked, uh, I picked the closest thing to a show show that I could pick. Well, it's not, that we, it's not that we don't want to hear about it. It's actually very interesting. But, like, the fact that you are <laughs> able to chop wood and that more or less you appear in this movie, 
you know, really like totally threw me off. Like, <laughs> were you prepared to, like to how close you look to the great Robert Shaw? Like in this movie, like every scene you come in, Shayna's like, <laughs> okay, Corey's in this scene again. Like, what did you think of that? Hilarious. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm 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 honored. Uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, so are we moving into the the movie now? Is is that what we're? <laughs> well, sure. Yes. I mean, that was a good transition. Do, do you want to do some? Do you want to do some bits? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys have cats and dogs now? Just, just <laughs> uh, Frank, what are you drinking? Is that some some old YooHoo? Uh, looks like it. it's actually. Sam Adams, the Jacko Pumpkin Ale. Ooh, so, okay. uh, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh, I picked up a couple of pumpkins, that and Schlafly, which is probably my favorite pumpkin. Um, but, yeah, definitely imbibing on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too bad. That's a good idea. Corey joined the noble profession. We have uh, long talked about our history of bartending, um, and he's uh, currently holding it down in jersey city so if you are around i i I know it's on grove street what is the name of this place it's it's got several names so (laughs) it goes uh, it's it's so it's so much chaos um everything falls apart at the same time so it keeps going it's like one of those you know like one of those cheat codes of life i think if every part of your car breaks it actually still works Yeah, yeah yeah um but it's a corner bar bistro Bistro Jeffries, uh, goes by Coffee Shop, JC Underground. I pr- I actually uh, coined the term cockroaches and mojitos. I think that, that's a good name. <laughs> so go over there, okay. talk up Corey at the bar. He will slang you some drinks, tell you, maybe tell you a joke if you're nice and you tip fucking well. And well doesn't mean a fucking dollar. All right, fucking money. You know what I'm saying? Well, if, I give you a, if I give you a $3 product and you give me a dollar, I'll be like, that's fair. That's uh. Percentage wise, that's okay. You know, not bad. I'll always tip at least like it at twenty percent. I'll be like, you're a decent human being. At twenty five, I'll be like, all right. I will jump in front of a knife for you. You are a good person. It that's gives a- and it takes, right? You gotta. If you give a good tip, then the maybe the bartender is gonna give you a free drink. You kind of need to work it out that way. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can be bought. I'm not above it. Like. I'm, <laughs> I'm just a human with a rent, you know, like I, I got to pay it. Yeah. Um, Frank. Uh, okay. Yes, sir. So we watched from Russia with love, the second James Bond movie, the original James Bond sequel, the first one ever. Um, the first one ever. I mean, they said he would return and he did. He motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of this movie? My friend? I liked it. Um, I, in my memory, I, believe i've seen it before uh but i don't remember any of it so it probably was too far back to uh to stick in my mind um but yeah no i think like as some of its parts it's it's really good um i enjoyed it through through like i was worried i started it kind of late last night i was like oh is this gonna be one of those i'm gonna watch half of it and fall asleep and have to watch it like the next day but no it held my attention it actually got better as it went on i felt like the last like third of the movie was like really chugging along at a good pace what about you guys did you like it totally Corey, did you enjoy this movie i did um like i mentioned it was my first one and i kind of heard uh i didn't know that it was only the second one uh i because i know that there's a ton of them and i i couldn't i couldn't even come close to putting them in you know the correct order but uh 
you know, and I kind of heard there were a couple sentences in the beginning of this movie that referred to a previous movie. So that, that makes sense now. Um, yeah, I thought it was uh, very cool. I, I could tell when they were laying hints on stuff like uh, like, oh, this is going to play later in the movie. So like but it, it wasn't so obvious that you could just like immediately bank on it. You know, so like it, so when you remembered something, it was good enough that you felt smart. You were like, oh, I, I paid attention. You know, like <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was rewarding in a way because I hate being fooled by movies. I hate it. Uh, I know that's what they're trying to do. But uh, yeah, I thought um, I thought it kind of it. Uh, I, I thought that it was ending a few times and then just more action happened, which I've seen in a few movies, but it was fine. Um, pretty decent runtime. Uh, I thought the acting was really good. Nobody, I wasn't mad at any of the actors. <laughs> really? <laughs> but you're like a real, you're like a real actor. You're, you're a card carrying actor, right? You're like, you're, you've, you've acted a few times. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a stand up comic who acts, uh, and, and full disclosure, acting so much easier. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. <laughs> like literally, they literally tell you what to do. Um, <laughs> no, sure. Sure. you're saying this. <laughs> Just do the thing. Um, no, I mean, I again, I, I thought the acting was great. Um, it was cool to see a, a young Sean Connery. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, dashing lad. Oh, he's just, he is quite dashing. He's so handsome, man. He and the I love the blue suit with the blue shirt in this movie. In the for the, like the first third of this movie, he's wearing like the same suit and the same shirt, and it's like, oh man, like. I can't even imagine like a Daniel Craig like having to wear the same suit that he's wearing from scene to scene, let alone to like he's like, you know what? Like fuck it. Like this suit looks fucking bitching on me. <laughs> like and I'm traveling light, like I'm going to be in the next few scenes like who even gives a shit? Um yeah, man, the styling in this movie I I think is like it's picturesque. The difference I think watching it this time around from growing up and watching it which I maybe I only had seen it a couple of times, uh, but this time around, you really appreciate I think the origination of like what makes Bond Bond. I mean, this is the first true um, opening sequence, and I hate to dip into uh, rating categories at this time, but like this has the formula of a Bond movie in all of the ways that Frank and I have been talking about since we began it with Brosnan that they had taken the kind of sequence of scenes that you need to have in this particular order and then reinserted it later on and to me that just seemed like oh before and i had really thought that it really begins with gold member and to see it in this movie in a new light gold finger gold finger excuse me <laughs> yeah oh shit that motherfucker has permeated my goddamn brain uh that was my old james bond before this was literally austin powers like that was my only warm-up and that's, what about? And, did you play the game? Did you play any of the uh, like GoldenEye or anything like that? So I saw them being played. Like I, I've always been adverse to like first-person shooter type of games, and that was that was kind of like one of the first ones, especially oh. like you know like the N64 and stuff. It just like that. It wasn't James Bond that I didn't like. It was like the shooting games. Um, yeah. I like. I don't know. I like more like the Grand Theft Auto type where you're over the shoulder and murdering people. Um, I just, <laughs> I want to imagine that someone else is doing the killing, not me. That's totally fair. Um, when <laughs> too real. They made a video game out of this movie too, which is actually kind of crazy. But 
I don't know. Uh, this movie's got all the ingredients, and it's also like in the same way that Doctor No felt like watching a historic, kind of classic movie. This movie has that kind of look and feel too in a lot of places. Um, and I, I don't know. I dug it. So we're going to get into some shit now. We're going to do some spoilers. If you haven't seen this movie, go watch it. Obviously, you know that we liked it. We definitely recommend it. Um, go do that. Frank, any last remarks before we close out the section? No, I mean, I think the craziest thing is how quickly these were churned out. It was 62 yes. and 63. It's like, the man, they, I know that a lot of the bonds, like as we've been covering them, usually like two, three year gap, but like. Nowadays, it's like five years in between movies. They were just like, let's keep going. <laughs> We've got something good. And uh, yeah, it, it makes sense why um, maybe he wanted to be done like after a couple of them, because it's like, how how quickly did they actually film them? Um, but yeah, I think we could dive in uh, and we could start like with the plot game as we always do. Oh, my God. This is a hard one, actually. Yeah. Even before the game, this is maybe a couple of sentences, right? It's at least. Yeah. So, Corey, basically, we we pl- try to play this game where we describe the plot of the movie in as few sentences as possible. Okay. Um, so, would you like to take a crack at it? Or if, if not, we can try to take a crack at it. Uh, this is a little yeah, bit I, of a tough I, Yeah, I mean, we can we can just kind of round robin, you know, as we come up with... <laughs> sure. ...or in more clever ways. Um, I would say... Um, a very violent destiny va- destination vacation. Ah, ooh, very scenic and I mean, just the, I mean, this isn't part of the uh, the game, but I would say that I I think it was shot so beautifully that it almost kind of looks like if someone today was trying to make it look like the sixties. Oh, like a totally. Lot of the shots, like like the wide pan. Um, I mean, I'm a big history guy, so see, seeing like. Istanbul, and then like they have the mention of the um, the uh, reservoir that like one of the emperors built and stuff like oh, that. Like yeah. it was, it was like I mean, just cinematically, it was it was a joy for me to see. I just wanted to get that out of the way. So let's keep it going with the wisecrack descriptions. I, <laughs> I like this. Guy. <laughs> um, okay, so you're totally right. This movie had double the budge, double the budget of the uh, previous film, uh, and you definitely see it. They spent that money. Uh, what what is interesting is that Ken Adams, the production designer who designs Doctor No, Goldfinger, and a couple of other of the movies, um, was actually not here at this time. During this movie, he is filming Doctor Strangelove with Kubrick. He designs oh, wow. the War Room and is making all the sets for like one of my favorite 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 movies. I watch it. I kind of watch it twice a year. <laughs> like. Do you really? I really do. I love it that much. I, th- it's such a perfect, like first of all, it's one of his only comedies. So like the and Peter Sellers playing three roles, like originating what Eddie Murphy and uh, Mike Myers would go on to do. Like it's one of the like seminal pieces of like comedy, but also culture. And then Shana and I, whenever there's like a crazy news story or or something comes around, we're like. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Like <laughs> always, no matter what. Like we heard, you know, we didn't sing it the night uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, but we definitely sang it the next day. Um, okay, back to the plot game. Okay, Spectre is trying to uh, 
Spectre is trying to play the Russians against the West by manipulating uh, a Russian consulate through a Russian-turned-agent who has access to a decoding machine. They set a trap for Bond, and he falls for it. Like, Frank, you got yep. anything better than that one? Um, there's a magnificent resort where they train their Smirsh, oh, the uh, Smirsh. agents, <laughs> where they get to suntan and get massages, and then they get sent out to to go kill people. And Bond has to speak up one up against one of them. So that's pretty much it. I did I did like when the, the lady visits the camp and her only qualification of can you take on the most dangerous agent in the world? I'm gonna punch you in the stomach really hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're up. Like they found her guy, like whatever. She I was wearing nuts. Yeah, she was, but I half expected her to like like hit him with a towel, like, you know, how they do in college. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to knock your towel off and see, like, what your body's like. That was, like, you're, it was so weird. Such a bizarre, like, I mean, I get it that maybe it's a little bit different than, like, the way, like, women were ogled at the time, but it's like, oh, you're, like, really looking at this guy and how fit he is. And Yeah, and I, I, liked, uh, I liked the 1960s version of what, like, a muscular buff dude looked like. It's, like, yeah. easy. These guys would get smoked. Like it's, it's not even close. I, I see out of shape dads at Planet Fitness more jacked than that like Mike Pence looking agent that they had. Like, come on, that Mike Pence looking <laughs> agent Pence. is Robert Shaw Quint yeah. from Jaws. I know That's he looks right. like Mike Pence. <laughs> He's oh my god! I have a yeah, whole new a respect for him. Jaws. <laughs> I have a whole new respect for him. He's imagine, imagine Mike Pence as a fisherman. That's 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 <laughs> Yo, I can't even imagine Mike Pence on the fucking orca, man. Like <laughs> he would make it. This this shark swallow you whole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, why why are we shooting this shark? He'll be like, uh, Mike, uh, it's a gay shark. And he's like, oh, we have to. Get <laughs> 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 i can't like the homophobia in that movie is like so like undertone and then in this movie there's like also like some homophobia stuff going on but it's like it i don't know that that scene was like, well i don't know so in even in the documentary i didn't expect them to to throw it out there but uh they do mention that there are some like risque undertones in the Rosa Klebb uh, Romanova scene where she first meets her and she's touching her and calling her beautiful. And yeah, okay. I haven't looked into what the woke police have said about this yet. I'm sure that it's offensive. Like, it's definitely not like, you know, obviously not all women who are lesbians are going to be hitting on these, you know, other agents, you know, and obviously that's not just like a normal thing. But it totally like sails under the radar if you're not really looking for it. Cause we've been watching these movies, I think after live and let die with a certain amount of like, let let's see what, how the culture has changed. Cause like before that, like all the other movies had kind of been relatively recent, you know, the only cultural difference that they had really made a big deal about is in the living daylights. Uh, Dalton only is with one woman because it's in the middle of the AIDS pandemic. 
So net like in this movie where you see Rosa Klebb kind of hitting on who's going to become the bond girl. Like, I'm curious to see where that lands on it. Cause like, it's obviously like, here's this like ugly troll looking woman. And, and like, does she have to be a lesbian? Like, obviously not. But anyway, I love her. I love Rosa Klebb. The lady who plays Rosa Klebb is a super famous uh, burlesque and vaudeville actress from Germany uh, all the way through. And she's like super famous in Europe. And she was super sweet. She was like a funny lady. So the lady who plays Romanova, who is actually a Miss Universe contestant, all of the leading ladies, including the two ladies from the Gypsy sequence, are Miss Universe content- contestants. They are not wow. actors. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, it could have it fooled me. I thought they pulled it off pretty well. It wasn't like um, it wasn't like they just had like Paris Hilton on a frame, oh, and well. she's just like monotone repeating the lines i thought they all did pretty good especially when the two girls are trying to kick the shit out of each other they did a they did a bang-up job there that's a fantabulous scene yeah frank when did you watch that you watched this late night right yeah last night okay Uh... did you watch this did you watch this in your wait i I don't want to out you and i don't mean to out you and, and if you don't want to you could tell me no we can edit it out but like you're you're at your parents house right now and yes. did you watch this in the big TV in the living room? I did. They're already in bed. They go to bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> did you watch it with Megan? I watched it with Megan. What Megan um, think during this scene? Um, I mean, I think I think that scene was okay. Um, I'm trying to think. There was one other. I I, I definitely think when uh, Kleb and and Romanova are going at it, we were like looking at each other with eyes, and then. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think the fight scene, it can be a little bit over the top. It's like, okay, just, like, throw them into a mud pit, why don't you, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just so gratuitous, and, like, it's like, I, I said to her, it's like, I don't know why this whole part is in this movie. Like, you cut this out, 20 minutes, you you got back for your, of your life. <laughs> it, it really has no impact on it at all. This, to um, me, feels like the exotic part of, like, where, why they're in Turkey. So, like, I, I kind of yeah. get that aspect of it. Um Shayna, I was like, I was so confused. So when they start fighting, you know, they're look, you're looking at the top half of their bodies. And then at a certain point you see them fighting again and they've like rolled up their skirts. And I'm like, Shayna, look, look what they did with their skirts. And she's like, so that that's what we do. (laughs) (laughs) I think honestly, the, 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 the thing that was more jarring was like the five plus minute belly dancing scene. Like it just kept going. And like, Everyone clearly was enjoying their themselves as they're watching her, but it was like, okay, this is like you can cut and go to the next scene. Like we we get it. But. Yeah, I I mean I thought the the belly dancing was a little bit more of that like you know oh it's it's a lady ooh you know like that type of appeal of just like bodies I guess. But like actually I thought the fight scene was very not like risque it was like i i guess i just always looked at women fighting the same way i look at like dudes fighting i know some people are like oh girls fighting huh i'm like no those are two animals like that are in combat (laughs) and so like like, the feet placement and stuff i'm thinking to myself all right if that girl like turns on the ankle and then like can drive the hip or something (laughs) but like uh, i I don't know like I, i guess i just never got you know uh, excited in that way but uh, i will uh, speak to your point frank uh whenever you're watching that type of stuff and like like i've watched it in my parents house like you know different types of movies 
They will be sleeping for the entire movie. But as soon as a naked girl comes on the screen, goddamn, don't they have to come through the living room for something? Like, oh my god, what are you watching? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh god, like you gotta cover up. <laughs> I all right. So I gotta say, if we're if we're if we're gonna be talking about these ladies in this movie, those ladies are fine, and you could take Tatiana Romanova, the first girl who shows up to give uh robert shaw the massage Ufa, that bikini is like really Ooh. awesome no I, I i had a problem i wanted to bring this up with like the underwear in the movie just yeah. because i i know different time but i'm just thinking like oh god my grandparents used to fucking that stuff yes well, you they know, like, did yes they did like i'm not judging their bodies like it's not the women but it's like the way that the bras held it was just these like these like Squido. literal like milk cups. It's just like ugh. <laughs> it just looks, it, like it doesn't do them justice. And they have these big baggy underwear. I don't know. <laughs> I love that lady's granny the, panties. I was so into that shit. Um, <laughs> oh god. Um, okay. So I think one of the other like super fun parts of this movie is uh, Istanbul and you know kind of the fun that they have around there. The actor who's playing uh, Ben Karam is a mexican guy i don't yeah. know if you could pick that up and yeah the uh the credits at the end i was like oh I, I didn't know that yeah um so this is like pre you know where you had to have the correct culture play the right person you just needed to have a brown person represent a brown person and that was kind of as far as you could go um but i love this guy and this kind of like begins like a long running um trope for bond films where you will have the uh, ethnic person in whatever country that Bond lands in that he's corresponding with and kind of working with to like move things along. And I, I gotta say, like, I really dug him and I was hoping that they were going to kind of bring him back or that he would continue further along the movie. I was sad to see him go. Uh, and I, yeah. it, it, I don't know the action scenes in this movie, they look more expensive and they look bigger, but I don't know if they hit harder. You know, like, and maybe that's just like our modern like action audience that we've watched Born Identity. You've seen Mission Impossible, like you know the modern Bond films. Like the stakes, no matter how high they seem to make them, to me, even, as much as I love this movie, they never felt super high. <clears throat> you know, like yeah, the boat sequence. I feel like one of the things that Corey was like alluding to before was like, how the movie feels like it ends a few times. I, I think because honestly, it doesn't feel like a full movie. Like, either it was a movie and a half, or you know, not. You know, it just I feel like it's kind of a to be continued sort of thing. When you have like Spectre being your big bad, and it's like, oh, we're gonna do this thing, and here's this mission. And it's like he succeeds, and it's just like, okay, we're done. And it doesn't. It's not the same stakes like AJ was saying. As like, oh my god, the world's gonna explode. It's like it just just like this one thing and they stop the the guy. Um, so yeah, I don't think the stakes are, are that high. You, you were referring to the boat scene. Um, uh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was just fine. It, it, it like, it didn't, I feel like the whole sequence from uh, like they were on the train for like a big part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Which, which was cool. It kind of adds like a very good, um, 
like plot dynamic because you went from this kind of sprawling you know metropolis of you know europe to this tiny train car and like all the action takes place probably within i don't know 30 feet of each other like it's all this like tight confined thing um but then it suddenly switches to okay now we're getting attacked by a helicopter because of a truck now the truck exploded but now we're driving in the truck and but now we're in a boat and it's like okay now you're in a boat but then now you're back at the hotel it just it just it had all these things that could have been middle of the story like fitting like a big a big boat scene would have been cool if it was earlier or something like it wasn't already we'll see them they do that later on trust me yep <laughs> uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff yeah there's a lot of boats in Roger Moore man Roger Moore is big on the boat chase uh but the the helicopter scene I think was one of my most favorite and it was also one of I thought the funniest because they couldn't afford to blow up the actual helicopter like yeah like, <laughs> like so oh my god it's fabulous so you see you know the helicopter in the sky the guy pulls the pin on the grenade the grenade drops he sh bond shoots the dude and then they you know bond you the cut to bond on the ground looking up you see the explosion reflecting on him and then cut to the helicopters on the ground exploding again like to me that was like classic like austin powers level comedy like i was <laughs> really cracking up at that one uh okay. i thought i thought that was awesome moment though for him like his his skill it's like there were a couple of moments in this movie where it's like damn he's good like he's really yeah. good at his job you know yeah. so yeah i don't think he missed he missed a shot the entire movie oh no like i think every attempt he did it, it hit <laughs> like the perfect yeah. like shot placement i don't know good, well, good i shot. think the interesting thing there is that like the movie starts and you think it's him and he's like it's like why does he kind of suck right now right like yeah and then then it's revealed that it, like it's just a guy in a mask and it's like oh that's why he sucks because it's not actually bond yeah. <laughs> and, and i like, i even i i remember thinking this exact thing when i saw you know the big mask reveal in the beginning i was i was thinking to myself if a movie tried to do that now like oh like somebody wears a disguise that makes them look exactly like somebody it's not even believable now you know what i mean like i know we don't have the tech to do that like like the whole like John Travolta, Nick Cage flipping faces. <laughs> like like even even what thirty years later, I'm like they couldn't fucking do that. But somehow they have this like Halloween store perfect rendition of you know just I thought that was so goofy and like kind of like a funny way to start the movie of just like this is nonsense, but we take ourselves really seriously. So maybe <laughs> you should. Oh, this movie takes itself like super duper seriously, which is contradicted by every sean connery line is a joke yes yeah dude he's fucking shredding killing in this movie <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh. every line is a quip um i don't know if i loved like the ubiquitousness of that that it was like every every single scene but I got to say, I was laughing. Like when he says the line, you're caught off guard enough to be like, oh, it's funny again. Yeah. <laughs> what did yeah, you think? It was, it, was like, it was like a weird, like grown dad joke laugh. Like every time he said it, you know, like he, <laughs> he shoves, he shoves uh club into the thing and 
she gets shot and oh she had her kicks and they just they just <laughs> like that's 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 a human being man like like that's dead like and that's that's how you want to honor her memory you know come on uh, rosa Clay. yeah i mean i do think that i find the the jokes here with sean connery like a little bit more bearable than like some of the ones we get later with roger moore where it's like like if these are our dad jokes like the later ones are like granddad jokes <laughs> you sure. know it's like Real knee slappers, real head scratchers. You know, these are at least these are still good jokes. Um, The the Sean Connery ness. I mean, again, like the origination of the role. Like, I think we took. I think I took that for granted. I think, you know, the idea that this guy, you know, created an icon and like did so over the course of a few films and grew and changed with it but also like established so many things that we love like you can't like take that away from him like you know what i mean like it's so it's like uh it's like robert downey jr playing iron man it's like christopher reeves playing superman like there's so many because well i guess not christopher reeves that's not a good example robert downey jr is iron man like he originated the role in live action this is the one guy who did it and everything from there like whatever we get after that or whatever iron man goes on in the mcu like you know it'll be some you know uh re- shadow or reflection of what that is you know and here mm-hmm. like this guy is like fucking awesome like and, and every scene that he's in he just oozes cool and he's you know when he's meeting the guy in the train station and he's like you know like oh the uh, lighters are great till they don't work like that like that scene's fucking awesome it drips with that '60s espionage uh, feeling, the cool spy shit. I don't know. Um, all right. So, anything else I, before I we like, get to the ratings? Because I feel like I don't want to repeat the rating stuff. That there's so many good things to talk about. Yeah, I like that. Um, we as the audience are ahead of Bond for a little bit of this movie. That was kind of cool. I don't think we get that all that much. Like, we're watching. Uh, I mean, I can't even remember the the agent's name. Um, what the fuck is Robert Oh, Grant, uh, the, the Spectre agent. So, like, he is, we see him throughout everything, and he's, like, following them along, and then, like, we see them meet at the train station, and he, like, totally falls for it. And, like, I'm sure there's a level of him that's, like, suspicious of him always, but it's like, oh, yeah, you two go to the to the dining car together. It's like, sure, you want to do that, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of nice to not see like a a super genius. Like he just seemed like a guy who was in the moment pretty clever, but didn't have like the grand scope. Like like that's why I meant like you could you could still be rewarded for predicting the right outcome because maybe this guy is just a little bit more normal than maybe we like we're used to seeing now. Like it's always this brilliant tactician and you can see like all these moves and stuff this is no that's just a dude who likes to who likes to fuck and he, he's good <laughs> at shooting you know like and he could just kind of get his way out of a wormy situation but stumble headlong into it and i love the tactical move by specter re uh blofeld blofeld's the guy stroking the cat the influence for what will become dr evil um he's the head of Spectre. Spectre's the evil organization. And Spectre is, like, shouted out, not even, like, subtly. Like, today, if they shouted out Spectre in the first movie, like, it would be a line. It would be a a post-credit scene. Like, 
in Dr. No, like Dr. No has a, what we would call expositional scene, talky talky part where he like says like, I work for Spectre. Spectre stands for this. <laughs> this is what we're trying to do. And you're like, Oh, cool. Great. Um, and then you see Blofeld in the beginning of this movie and throughout and he's so intimidating, so imposing. And it, you know, Oh, and again, like what Frank said is like, he's ahead of bond. And, and I love that they kind of laid that trap perfectly for him. Bond and the uh, MI6 take the bait and that knowingly almost, you know what I mean? They're like, Oh, it's definitely a trap. Oh, it's totally a trap. <laughs> <laughs> well, they said that like the Brits uh, not only fall for traps, but they actually take joy in them. Like they see it as a challenge and it's like, hot damn. They, they've really, even like when they're meeting, they're like, this is a trap. Yes, but it's almost too easy. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. So I think we should move into ratings next because the next topics we're going to talk about all involve these major points of it. Um, Corey, I'd love you to stick around for this because I think it's going to be fun to have you aboard for these ratings. Um, so the first topic that we're going to discuss is opening sequence. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Frank. Once 10, yeah. what do you think of the opening sequence? So I gave this a seven. Um, I think, you know, I was referring to it before. Uh, I think it's a cool scene in which we're like, watching this like cat and mouse game in this this big like harry potter uh maze yeah. <laughs> the hedge maze um and it's pretty cool um but it you know it lacks kind of some of those big action scene moments that we get later on and you know the reveal that it's not actually james bond is kind of like oh okay so we're watching the bad guys right now great but what does it all mean so i gave it a seven um it it, it was intriguing enough, but it could have been better. Uh, AJ. I joined you in rating it a seven as well, only because, um, you know, when they are fighting at the uh, X-Men mansion, um, it's <laughs> very much um, intriguing, but it's uh, it doesn't have kind of the plot development that we get to see in later films in that, the opening sequence really gives you something to think about and, you know, process as the film continues on this movie, this uh, opening sequence feels very much almost like a, a cold open more so like that. You're just kind of like, all right, like let's show you where the action continues after Dr. No Corey, what did you think? One to 10. Uh, yeah. In like the six to seven range. Um, I was a little, I, again, I, I have to get back to the, being missed about how that mask is just so unrealistic, even with, you know, fancy, you know, past Soviet union spy level, like type of thing. I'm like, ah, damn it. Like that kind of ruined it just to see it like crumpled up. But uh, no, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting, it was a really good way to set up the, I guess the efficiency of Shaw, like of his character to be like, Oh, they're training him to kill the guy. Like, I, I like that idea that Bond, I mean, that kind of plays further into the movie that you have a guy who it's like, oh, he's trained to kill Bond, following Bond. I hope they don't meet because he can apparently kill Bond. Uh, mm -hmm. I like I liked really that angle. Um, the, you know, and then the, the guys all walking out and being like, oh, good job. And then they just, did they, did they do any ceremony for that poor man that they just offered? Well, you know, no, just... <laughs> there, there wasn't any pagan rituals or, you know, Illuminati, uh, you know, stuff that they pulled out. It was just very, you know, 
Another guy we killed. Well, that's also, I think, referenced in the scene where they talk about training uh, and their Rosa Kleb is walking with the head guy of that facility. And they're like, oh, you know, training is good, but there's no match to experience. And he's like, oh, you know, don't worry. We use live, you know, people as mm -hmm. well. Um, okay. So moving on to plot, I gave this a nine. The reason I give this a nine is for 1963. This is like so spot on for where the world is at this time. Like a secret terrorist organization is playing off Russia and the United States, which is actually a, or the West. And like, we'll see this plot come up again in James Bond again and again and again. But this is definitely the origination. And they did change some of the stuff from the original Fleming novel to fit this. But in 1960 or 1961, this the Fleming book from Russia with novel is on JFK's like top 10 books for that year. And like that, wow. this really penetrated pop culture as well um, as Casino Royale, that it was really a, an important part of, you know, the James Bond plot you know ideas um so I, I think it's it's definitely one of the better cooler earlier versions frank what do you think yeah i like this um i could definitely follow along more of what was going on this time uh like it, like what the threat was um again like the little there's always like the mcguffin it's like okay it's important we're gonna have to get the mcguffin and we gotta stop him um but yeah i like pitting uh the two sides of the cold war against each other with like this evil organization in the middle. I like that. We followed a lot from Spectre's point of view. That was really cool. Um, and, uh, something that we, I guess, haven't talked about as much is how like they planted, you know, an agent and because she, she thought she was working for the Russians, right? Correct. Not correct. So, like that was also kind of a cool little twist along, along the way. Um, so I gave it an eight. Corey. Uh, I concur on an eight. Um, I liked that they were, again, they were just kind of humans uh, going through it. You know, nobody, I mean, despite the, you know, specific training uh, that he went through, Shaw just proved to be, you know, just as only as capable of a, of a fighter and, you know, everything. And he was bested by Bond and kind of a, a little bit of an undramatic way in terms of like, they just kind of threw each other around for a while. <laughs> like that because just yeah, but kind of my old, it looked like my older cousin and I beating the shit out of each other, like just just kicking each other onto a couch and choking each other with piano wire. Like I've done this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, oh. the fight sequences, you know, the fight choreography, they weren't really thinking about that. You, this was also a time where you're doing multiple takes, so you know, like you don't want to really beat the crap out of each other because they have expensive wardrobe on, they have makeup they have to do. So it kind of, I kind of get like how they kind of shortcut those things. Uh, I will say that when you get to the sequence where they're in the train car and it almost feels like um, uh, the the blonde guy has bested um, Bond, uh, I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is pretty good. Like, he was a pretty good match for him. Like, yeah. if you take away all the other stuff, like, he got Bond on his knees. Like, he really brought him down. And that's a, a really nice... Um, you know, element. And I actually think we should, we're going to skip around one. We're going to move up to a different category here, Frank, but it's going to make sense. I hear uh, the you. physical antagonist. Uh, so this is a category that um, 
Frank and I originated because we noticed oftentimes that in the James Bond movies, you'd have uh, your bad guy, your main villain, your main big bad, but then you'd usually have a henchman who was some kind of, um, you know, maybe he was a, maybe he had, you know, metal teeth. Maybe he was a short guy. Maybe he was a tall person. Um, you know, all different kinds of things, but we called this category physical antagonist. And in this movie, you're really originating what came after that. This movie definitely is the start of that trend. And for yeah, that, I, mean, I give this a 10. Yeah. And, and like in the last movie, we, we said Dr. No was, was the guy cause he had the, the claws or whatever, but here this is Grant is the guy. He, he's the guy that Bond is fighting. He's throughout the movie. You see him a bunch of times. Like, and because you see him from the beginning, like you're almost kind of rooting for him. Like Corey said, it's like, okay, this guy can kill Bond. I don't want him to to meet up with him. That's not good for our our guy. But like, you want you want to see that in the in the action of the movie. So I also gave him a ten. I thought he was excellent. Um, you know, it, it is a shame that like he's just like gone for I guess like the last third of the movie. Maybe maybe less than that. Maybe it's a quarter. But. Um, but yeah, he's fantastic. What do you think about him, Corey? Uh, I liked him a lot. I liked um, I liked that throughout the movie, you almost don't know who that guy necessarily will end up being. Like, who's going to be the the real uh, you know fight against Bond? You kind of know that he's in the running. Um, for a little while, there was like the um, and I, I liked in the movie that they were. Um, they were mentioning, oh, the Russians and us, like, we keep tabs on each other, like, just kind of openly, you know, following each other. There was that one guy that was, like, constantly, uh, I like this shot that they would always have him do. He'd start here and then he'd run up and look in the distance, like that guy. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that Shaw ends up killing. I thought it was going to be him for a bit, but then I knew um, the the girl was also, Tatiana was also, you know, the betrayer type of thing. But then you have the looming type of just baddie that's coming to get bond the entire time and then when they come come together you're like okay when's he gonna strike like that type of thing so i mean maybe it's kind of like a robert shaw like equating him to jaws in a way like you always see him just there and then he fades out and then like then he comes back and he does something and then he's there and then uh he dies um he so it was i don't know i i like him i like him in his role i like the way he did uh i yeah, I have to agree again. A ten. Yeah, I, I I love this one, and, and I'm happy that like we're now like he's one of the major tropes, and then to bring it back, uh, we're about to get you know the origination of one of the major tropes of of James Bond, and that is Q Branch and Q played by Desmond Llewellyn, and this is a character who doesn't just appear in this movie; he appears in this movie until movies in 1999 and you know like he was in he's one of the longest running i guess he is the longest running bond character actor um and he's he's the man and i love the briefcase like yeah it's swaggy as hell man like i also like that it starts with the briefcase like most of the guys at that time i can imagine probably had a briefcase and you're using it to, you know, carry around your papers, I guess, as you would. Um, yep. And, uh, like, <laughs> it just looks so great. And the the gadgets they put into it, like, it's the origination. Um, I'm giving it a 10. Corey, what did you think? 
Uh, I loved the the hint at the beginning when you know, oh, make sure you twist the handles this way. That was the first thing I was like, that's coming up later. Like, like pay attention. You got to see it. And uh, you know, when Bond opens it towards the end and he does it, I'm like, oh man, I hope he didn't see it. Like, it, you know, the the uh, technique to open it because I knew the tear gas was coming. And then obviously the knife at the end. Um, yeah, I think that it was like, I wish that they played a little bit more onto, um, cause they did a good job of playing like the specter organization, then their guy on the ground. In this movie, we had the guy on the ground on bond side, but they didn't, they almost glossed over his supporting cast a little bit too much. Like I wish that they had a little bit more of like their armchair generals, like a little bit more. Um, I mean, if it, if it sets it up and it does a good job, then that's what it does. Um, obviously, you said that it, it sets up the trope later. Um, but yeah, I, I felt like that, that angle didn't get enough credit. It played its part well. But So Frank, you gave this a like, 9 instead of a 10. Why did you feel it deserved less than perfect? Well, and maybe maybe this is because of the a flaw in our category. Because our category uh, is ah. Hugh, Gadgets, and the Car. So... Great, we've got Q, he's there for the first time, he's young and spry, he's pretty mild, he doesn't have a lot of jokes, but like we get a Q scene and he explains the, the briefcase, awesome, love it. I love the, the, the briefcase and all the other things he uses throughout the movie, but there's still no car, and mm. like, you know, James Bond to me, like you just need that, that awesome, I mean, we've got boats, we've got trains, we've got helicopters, but there's no cool car, and that that's where it loses me. So I gave it a nine. But you know, I think it's still still really great. I I feel you, man. I'm so excited for. I mean, I can't wait for the DB5, man. It's one movie away. I know. Like it's about <laughs> like like imagine if Batman it, for the first two movies has no Batmobile. Like that's great. Like that. I was thinking about that. I was like, shit. Like there's no Batman without the Batmobile. Like you can't you can't have that. He needs he needs the Batmobile, you know. So to to know that we're going to be getting in the next movie and and that they're going to really clearly, you know, very clearly define what a Q scene has to have. Like it's it's very exciting and and it's 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 also great to see him kind of originate the role in a very subtle way, you know, where he's like very like you know he's pay attention to heaven. You know, you open it like this, you close it like this, you do this, that's what happens. There's no jokes. You know, Bond doesn't have a quip. He's just moving right along. And it's like a matter of fact, you know, I like that aspect yep. of it. Yep. Okay, Bond girls. Um, yeah. Oof. Uh beep Yeah, I'm gonna give this a nine. They are wow wow wee wah in this movie. <laughs> um, they're super hot. Uh they're all models, man. Like the, it's it feels different. Um, I don't know if they're fantastic actresses and I don't know if they're super duper memorable because we haven't gotten to the double entendre names yet. Uh, so I went with a nine. What'd you think, Frank? Um, so yeah, I, I like them. Uh, it's cool that we have like Sylvia trench back from the last movie recurring yes. character. That was kind of cool. Um, and I like Tatiana. I, I just like, I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe she could have had a lot more to do. Um, and, you know, I, I just felt like she was along for the ride, but like she's supposed to be like a secret agent operative. It, it just didn't feel like 
she was like all that badass. She was just like, oh, I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to I'm going to wear these cool dresses you got me. We're going to go eat dinner and, and all that. So I I gave them an eight. Um, but yeah, I do think they were all very, very attractive. What about you, Corey? Um, I thought Tatiana was great. Um, I thought the I thought any sort of like, oh, look at this girl uh, type of character. They all did very good. Um, very well, I should say. Um, I thought it, like once I could see past like the the granny panties and that like 60s beehive hair, you know, <laughs> like, when I could like when they ever looked past them and gave them like, you know, close up on their face. I'm like, oh, man, they're they're all gorgeous. Um, even some of the like when they're still in Istanbul, even some of the extras were really hot. Uh, yeah, they, gorgeous. You kind of, yes. they if you if you like I, I honestly just because I. I knew they would have like the center girls, like the center folds, like, oh, look at ah, the sparkles and stuff. But like when they're like traveling through the streets, I even pause. I'm like, yeah, she's not bad. <laughs> like, oh, <look> at her. <laughs> this, is, this is this isn't a bad city. Um, and uh, yeah, they weren't uh, they weren't idiots like as characters. Like they they seemed competent, you know, just kind of they weren't ditzy. And, you know, I, I think uh, I think they did a bad job of hiding even toxic masculinity on bond, but they really didn't show it with them. Like it, it was, it wasn't demeaning to see them a lot of the time. Ooh. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. That could become, that could become part of the, this category, I guess, and like a way to do negative points, but, but so we've seen bond smack around a woman or two in these movies. It's unfortunate. Um, this one to me felt the most, or uh, not the most, the least egregious of them in that, like, for the story, like, if she's a Russian spy and he's a Western agent, like, it makes sense that he's not going to be totally nice with her. And it didn't really, like, I don't think it's, like, him imposing his power or being super-duper sexist on her when he's smacking her in the face. Um, it's yeah. more or less, you know, they're opposing adversaries, the the. The world's codes are at stake, gentlemen. You know, I think we can abide uh, a stack. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I second that point. You know, if if I have an agent that's a guy and, you know, they send an agent that's a girl, uh, okay. You know, yep. like, I'm like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. It wasn't. Let's, it was, oh, let's not forget, she, she showed up in his bed naked oh. to seduce him. So, yeah. like. It it started off with with her going to you know to manipulate him and, and the, the whole game that they played. So it's not like he was using her. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I think seeing him smack her is still like ah, that's that's hard to watch. But like also you can understand it in this movie more so than some of the others. Definitely. Um, okay, so... If you're the enemy spy, slap away. Right. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Um, alright, so villain, bad guys. Um, I went with a nine because I love Rosa Klebb. She goes on to, um, inspire, uh, you know, um, the character in Austin Powers. Um, Frau. Uh, right. Frau Farbissena. Frau Farbissena. Yeah. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's she's awesome in, in those in those movies and a great character and like it's definitely see cool to see the origination here it's also cool to learn that she was like a major established actress and 
you know, was super duper funny and, you know, wasn't anything like this at all. Uh, I think I wanted more out of her. I think what Frank said earlier that, um, you know, they, her ending sequence is kind of a, you know, it's, it's a dud, you know, it's not super high stakes. It's not one of these ones where we're concerned with a nuclear missile launch or the explosion of a moon base. Like we're only really worried about, um, you know, whether or not this MacGuffin gets around and, you know, given all that, you know, given all that information, uh, I guess I would have seen her, I would like to see her become a bigger threat. On the contrary, though, it does set up Blowfield as the larger looming threat and gives, you know, weight and credit to, I mean, ultimately Thanos. Like, uh, like yes. <laughs> you can draw a direct co correlation between what Blofeld is seen doing in this movie and the way that they, in the end credits, they don't say who he's acted as. Um, they're not trying to set anything up with his name, but they're trying to create this idea of a larger looming presence um, down for down the line. Uh, Corey, mm -hmm. what'd you think? Same thing. I thought the, the overall appeal of like Spectre just doing their thing um, as a running subplot, like above was well done. Um, I wish that they gave, what was it? Uh, was it the Czech agent in the beginning? Uh, he's playing chess. I think he's. Oh, no, oh yes. Uh, he's Number from five. He's yeah. Um, I wish that they kind of got him a little bit more cause he seemed like he could be like an interesting, you know, informant type of person. But, uh, um, just the whole wraparound of like this overarching, uh, kind of company, you know, entity running, pulling the strings at the end of that I thought was really well done. Um, they did it very nicely, um, played a good part. I liked it a lot. Franks. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with AJ. I gave villain a nine. I do think the way I look at it though, more so is that I'm rating Blofeld here. Like that's like, that's the guy like, and we don't even Ooh. see him really. Um, like Cleb is there. She's like, yeah, number three or whatever. Um, Maybe it's maybe it's more rating Spectre, but I just think that she's just kind of like another henchman to me. Um, I don't feel like like I, I know that she's doing a lot of the work and she's like involved and she's fighting and blah blah blah. But like, yeah, I, I think it's it's Blofeld and he he yeah he's the Thanos and I'm excited to see him um, because I feel like he's the bigger threat and and I I like that it they teased it along like two movies now and. We still haven't even seen him, and I want to see them go head to head. I feel you. I feel you, my dude. So moving right along to we're skipping physical antagonists. We're going right to Bond performance for the people keeping track at home. Um, and I gave this one a nine. The reason I gave this one a nine instead of a ten is because I, it's a little too jokey for me from Sean Connery. I think he's very good. I really like him. Um, but I do want to see him grapple a little bit more and we're about to get that. We're about to see him kind of have to, uh, be more resourceful, have to work with what he's given, be put in more higher stakes situations, have to be more suave, have to use more of his, um, debonair espionage tactics to kind of get through stuff. This one very much feels like what Ian Fleming would describe in his novels as like, 
he's a cannonball. Like I shoot James Bond at a problem and then stuff happens. And at every scene, it never feels like James Bond is really driving the plot forward as much as the plot is driving James Bond forward. Yeah. Um, what did you think, Franks? Oh no, Frank. You still love Oh no. Okay. We're going to go to Corey real quick. Corey, what did you think of the Bond performance? Oh God, Frank's dead. <laughs> uh, we can't. Um, no, I thought, I mean, a little bit to, to your liking, I'd say it's about a nine. Um, I kind of liked that it was a character being moved by plot. Frank, you back with us? I'm back. Hooray, you're back. All right, all right, good. Um, yeah, I think it was, you know, a nine, but I did like the appeal that, you know, it was James Bond in the world, not the world moving to James Bond. I mean, maybe there's like a critique of like, you know, if you like the character-driven plot or the plot-driven character. Um, sure. I thought you... He seemed very uh, reasonable as a human being. Like, he was believable in his character. Um, yeah, so about a nine. I mean, maybe you want to add a spice of, like, a little bit more of that genius with it. But he did, did a great job. Frank? Yeah, uh, Bond is a nine for me in this one. Um, I, I think he's great. And I, I like uh the way he, like yeah he outsmarts grant in in the train and and he's on his knees but he's still able to get out of it and um i love when he cases a room like that's one of my favorite things yes i it, but it just like that element of like i think last movie where it's like you see him like gambling you see him like order the drinks so you see this one just felt more like all right we're picking up with the last where we were last time we're not setting things up where like, I don't know. I, I could have used a little bit more of that the quintessential James Bond uh, things that you think about uh, this one. Just, they, they wanted to make this feel different and that was cool. But you know, I, I like, I like the normal stuff. <laughs> I feel you. Um, so Frank, I want to start with you on the next one for legacy and continuity. You gave this one a seven. Yeah. Which is <sighs> curious to me what are you why why a seven well i mean i think partially um and maybe this is my own fault like i i said i thought i had seen this movie but i didn't remember it at all um so maybe i didn't see it but i, I think i did um i i think it holds up so like you know seven isn't terrible i just don't think you know when you when you look back on the the sean connery era like you're gonna you're gonna look at Doctor No. You're gonna look at Goldfinger. Like those are the ones that you remember. Like those have those iconic moments in them that really like stand the test of time. But like, and like I really like this movie overall. But I don't think there's any one thing that I'm like, oh yeah, that's why this holds up. I I think it's super relevant for the time period um, to have like the Cold War and pitting them against each other. But yeah, it just. I don't know. It's lacking to me. So I am curious as as to why we we have such a big gap and you're at a 10. I am. Two reasons. One, because I think that this is the true first foundation of the Bond formula. All the ingredients that we have in this rating system are present in this movie. And I think that's relevant whether or not you have the specific references, the vodka martini, the gambling, the baccarat, the um, the car, uh, 
Bond having, a, you know, different sessions or like this movie taking place over a period of time. Like that part to me doesn't matter as much. I like that you get all the elements. I like that there's the song. I like that they have the opening uh, credits. I'm excited to talk about the music in this movie. Um, but I think what gives this movie to a 10 for me was, first of all, like how much uh, obviously um, Mike Myers took from this as well as Dr. No and You Only Live Twice to make Austin Powers. And seeing kind of the, or the origination of what Frau Farbissina would become, after, especially after watching uh, Goldmember so recently. But I think, and this is like maybe like very, very deep, but I think the joke where they are talking about, on the whole, Preparation H feels good. In the very <laughs> first sequence of this movie with Blofeld, he says, on the whole, I think this is a good plan. <laughs> and like to me like that level of like deep pullishness from mike myers like that's a whole th that can't that can't not be intentional like that's so that's so awesome like i i love shit like that that's like yeah. one of the sneaky easter eggs that he got in that takes the references to a new level the 10 it's it, it's all there what do so you think i'm gonna bump mine up to an eight real quick just because Ooh. of your your comment about um this being the template, you know, this is the origin of like what all the bonds are going to be from here on out. And so I do think that's worth another point. I didn't think about that before. So, all right. Uh, Corey, what do you think? Uh, I mean, as far as legacy, I don't really know just because I'm, I'm right. on the whole so, <laughs> uh, with, with bond. Um, if it, I mean, if the movies are any semblance like this, you know, I'll, definitely be more apt to maybe sit down and try to watch them from the beginning um, and try to like really get a scope. Maybe I'll do the, you know, the type of stuff you guys are doing where you start it and watch it through and see it kind of develop. Um, but I mean, as, a, as just my first time as a Bond movie goer, uh, very, you know, I thought it was a very interesting movie, very good take. And, and I do like, uh, I was thinking about it right before I started watching the movie, I was like, I don't know if any other genre um that like is so defined by one movie right so any yeah. sort, of, sort of like spy movie it's immediately james bond like there's not there's nothing close even horror movies don't really have that thrillers comedies you know like you you can have like these mount rushmore type of movies where it's like okay that's a very good like benchmark spy movies it's james bond there's nothing else close like it, that's it doesn't have to be a James Bond movie, and it gets compared to Bond. But um, on that note, uh, thank you for inviting me to watch the movie. I'm glad that I, I got the opportunity to do so. And thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. I do have to get going. Um, but it was uh, it was a pleasure meeting you, Frank. And talking oh, you with too. You. Yeah, and AJ always Corey, good. thank you so much for jumping on the pod with us. This was awesome. Uh, again, go find Corey on Instagram, uh, Corey Smithson. And you will be pleasantly surprised with the level of quality jokes and also his, his general likeness to Robert Shaw in this movie. Like I'm, I'm telling you, like <laughs> you, you look like this guy. Um, yeah, yeah. man. Uh, so yeah. good to have you on. Thanks buddy. Enjoy your night. Yeah. Take care guys. All right, Frank, two more categories to go, my friend. And then we're wrapping this motherfucker up. Uh, the yeah. special effects in this movie. I think we're both in agreement that they're an eight, like they're up from where they were in the last movie but we rank them lower because this movie has like, like the scene, the, the action scenes I think don't age well. 
they're not built yeah. the way that modern action scenes are built. Right. Like I, I like there are moments where the the, the explosion the things look good. Um, the fight sequences are good. Like I like the train. I think just being on the train is great. But yeah, it just feels a little like I don't know. Like you, you see the rear projection a little bit more in the a lot of the shots. The rear projection is rough in this one. Um. So yeah, I, I agree. Eight. It, it. It's fine. I, considering how much money they spent, I feel like a lot of it was like just getting them to Istanbul. <laughs> it was definitely on the locations, man. It was, it was totally. That's yeah. where the money went. Um. Yeah. Okay. So the score and the song. Maybe I gotta drop this down a point. I'm gonna go with a nine because. I, even though it does have a proper title song, even though we do have a new score for this movie to go with the James Bond theme, which is the only theme they have in Dr. No, um, it doesn't have the proper opening sequence of the, or the musical uh, credit sequence that you're going to get later on. So I think it's going to be a nine. I liked the other themes that they put in this one a, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. But Frank, you gave this one a seven. Why? So um, I think uh, so. I agree. I, yeah, we don't have the the proper song at the, at the top, like, and that's fine. And and the From Russia with Love is there a little bit. It's not. And I like the score that they add. I think the one that's like um, where like it modulates in with, with the regular one. And like, actually the fact that I called out Harry Potter earlier, like it reminds me of the Harry Potter theme a little bit. It does. Yeah. Um, the reason why I'm knocking this down, like, so I'm looking at this compared to the last movie. So I gave the last one a nine. I'm giving this a seven. Like, I think the use of the bond theme, the regular bond theme is kind of egregious here. Where like and normally I'm like I want more of it I want it to kick in like at these like big action moments, but they have it running through when he's just walking around a room and it's quiet. Yeah. Like why is it like, and they do that more than once, and it just is a really jarring like, um, I don't know like I I don't know why they they chose I, I get that they're like oh he's like working and he, the espionage she's. He's casing the room. He's trying to find, you know, the crackling phone and whatnot. And it's like, but like, have it be a little bit more subtle or, you know, I don't know. So that just like, it called out to me a few times. I was just like, this is weird. And I just felt like because of it, they didn't have a better, like a real cohesion of what the score should be with the movie. I just felt like they were like, all right, keep playing boys. Vamp. (laughs) Yeah, I know It, it. When he's walking out of the, you know, getting off the flight and they're blasting the theme. Like that's, that's, I think the worst one where it's like, you're getting off the plane now, walking through the terminal, going you're to baggage up. claim. You know, like, <laughs> you're looking behind the painting. <laughs> oh wait, what's on the ceiling fan? Like, Oh, come yeah, on. Oh my like, God. It's crazy. Uh, all right. So overall, this is one of the biggest discrepancies we've had in a long time. Uh, I gave this movie a 90. You gave it an 83. Yeah. Seven point well, discrepancy. I mean, it's funny because like the last one, you also gave a 90, but for like completely different reasons. Right. That's true. Yeah. Like I, I felt so hard about this rating scale. Um, I, it's weird because I feel like 
I like this movie better in a lot of ways than say Dr. No. Um, Oh, for sure. It's a totally great sequel. It's one of the best sequels. And I just think like this, all the individual parts to me. And I think that's like when we're getting to like the final rating and reviews of like ordering them, this movie may get just like those bonus points of like it being a good movie and like, I'm not going to knock it for, you know, just like the individual elements that we've called out here. You're so right, man. I I feel that like you got to you got to take a look at it, you know, through the lens of it being a a big franchise, you know, and the fact that they had to follow up, you know, one of the most successful movies ever and then with this crazy book franchise and it had to be good. Otherwise, there is no other James Bond movies. This could have been just the shitty sequel. Yeah. You know, that's crazy to think of. Like they could have made a shitty ass sequel and it would have been dead. Maybe not been dead. Maybe they would have tried one more time. It could have gone to a B movie, you know, like this is definitely an A movie, high budget, you know, travel around the world kind of film in exotic locations. Like, I love it. I'm so excited for Goldfinger. I think I may watch it right to na- right now after this. Um, oh my god, that'd be crazy. <laughs> okay, um, this was a fun episode. Uh, go check Corey out online. Um, Frank, I know I've been driving this episode like crazy. Is there anything you want to mention or throw out or that we haven't covered on your end? Um, no. I mean, I the, the main other thing like you mentioned him before. I think. Uh, Karen Bay is a really great character. Um, I just feel like he doesn't get enough credit in this movie. Um, I, I feel like <laughs> in the first fight sequence when he gets shot, I'm like, maybe you shouldn't be sitting at the table eating your nachos still, buddy. Like, yeah. Go hide behind something. Um, it is kind of a, a, a bummer that he goes out. And like it, it you, you mentioned it before, like it sets up this idea that Bond's going to make a best friend and always lose him in the movie. And that sucks. But at least like he didn't throw him in the, in the dumpster like he did with uh, uh, Mathis or whatever from, uh, from quantum of solace. Um, so yeah, I like this movie a lot. I think it, it sets up a lot moving forward. Uh, and the fact that we get to the Roger Moore era and like Blofeld is pretty much absent is like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get some Blofeld real soon. Um, so I can't wait. We're on the build. We're on the build of Blofeld. Yeah, we are building to him. This is, this is, uh, phase one. We're about to go into phase two. Um, Blofeld was played by Anthony Dawson, who was the professor in the last movie. So they were just like, uh, can you come in and just like sit there and hold a cat? Thanks. (laughs) What a genius idea. Like (laughs) dudes, like what are we going to spend money on an actor for to like be a face that we may have to replace? Like, fuck it. Let's go with some fucking hands, <laughs> you know, and, and a cat. And like, let's set this guy up. Let's build him up. That, that to me was a genius level move. That's the kind of like m- movie making that transcends. Like, like we see that now, like that's a, that was a major part of the build of, of the MCU is that you build yep. this intrigue around your big bad for movies and that you're working up to him. And, you know, a lot, we haven't really talked about it a lot, I think, but maybe in this movie more so than anyone, I was expecting this movie to feel like Iron Man 2, and it's so not. This movie is almost like, 
like you said, it's like the end of uh, Captain America: First Avenger, or like, or or even Avengers One, where like we we've established James Bond and his role in the world, what he's gonna do, the kind of threats that he deals with, and how he's gonna solve them, and and like, I'm I'm so excited to see him again in Thunderball. We're not gonna get him in Goldfinger, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, it was before the invention of the poster. Uh, post-credit scene or the credit scene um but you know what they do in goldfinger i think is really the cementing of what james bond is going to be and and what we're going to get from here on out and uh also introduce a new director uh we're going to move from terrence young who's a very established um uh british director at this time who's done many many movies we're now going to be moving to over to Guy Hamilton, who's going to take the reins and go on to make more movies mm-hmm. into the Roger Moore era. So, and also become part of the stable of Bond directors, which they was very important. Lastly, Ken Adams will be back. Um, I don't know. I got no other plugs. Uh, I think that's it. I'm good. Um, so yeah, go watch Goldfinger. Uh, uh, so I, the one other good thing that I will plug about the box set. <laughs> yeah. So we keep trying to sell it on everybody. So with it, it comes uh, with mo- most Blu-rays that you get these days, you get your digital codes. Um, and so this particular one, at least from mine, I think because it's Sony, you're not going to be able to use your like movies anywhere. account. But I was able to access my collection uh through Voodoo, oh. uh, which was very clutch because I'm like AJ mentioned before, I'm not currently at my apartment and my 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 movies are there, so I was able to watch this and stream it on on TV and it looked great. I mean, you still have the great blue HD level quality, so uh, just you know when you do buy the the set, make sure you redeem it within enough time uh, because sometimes <laughs> those expire. <laughs> Could be a problem. Yeah. Uh, definitely something to think about. All right, guys. So this has been another episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast covering the James Bond franchise. It's been an absolute blast to hang out with you guys here today. Go check out Corey Smithson, um, but also check out the podcast. You know you love it. www.longlostheroes.net. Send us an email. Ask us questions. Info at longlostheroes.net. If you want to find us, ask us questions online, please do it. Our social media at LLH Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm AJ. I'm Frank. See you guys next week. Bye.